0: So Exodus chapter 7 this morning. I just got to go back to the question. What does this have to do with us today? Uh, I I love Exodus. I mean, it's a story of God's people Israel. He chose them. We got to go through Genesis last year. He established this people through Abraham and his wife Sarah. A covenant was made. Promises were given. And do you guys know that God is faithful to his promises? Do you know that all the promises in Christ Jesus are yes Yes. and amen? He is faithful. Let's grab a hold of those promises. And here we see the children of Israel crying out to God once more for deliverance. And that's one thing as we start in the Old Testament and these people come to be a nation, a group of people, millions now as we're reading here in Exodus, in bondage in Egypt. And Egypt is always a picture of the world. They're in slavery there to the world, to a bad king, Pharaoh, um, bad taskmaster. And God is hearing the cries of the people for deliverance. And it's cool because is he faithful to that cry, guys? Does he deliver the children of Israel? Yes. Do you guys know there's going to be a time soon, I believe, where the children, again, the children of Israel again are going to be in trouble? It's something that the Bible speaks of and calls Jacob's trouble. How many of you guys have heard of that before? There is a time yet future. It's cool because God, in his word, a lot of this is prophecy. Do you guys know almost a third of the scriptures is prophetic? And only God can tell the future. That's one thing we know that we can, you know, trust this book that you guys hold in your hands because only God can foretell the future. Many religions today, Many people people believe in a lot of different gods, but there's only one true and living God. There is only one creator, and only God can tell the future. And that's one thing I love about the Bible, because this is the only religious book in the world that has fulfilled prophecy, and not just a few, hundreds upon hundreds, and there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds more speaking about a time that we're coming into um, now. There is a time that the Bible speaks of as... The Great Tribulation. How many of you guys have read about that in Revelation chapter 6 to 19? During that time, the children of Israel once again will be crying out to God, Deliver us. Because isn't there a whole bunch of plagues and craziness that's going to happen during that time also? Yes. And they want deliverance. And does God grant the deliverance immediately? No. The children of Israel here in Exodus, they had been crying out for a while. Did God grant deliverance immediately? No. and There's going to be times in our lives that things are hard, and we cry out to God, and we don't see the deliverance. But let me tell you what, guys. Heaven's right around the corner. There's sometimes we go through things where God will deliver in this life. That's awesome, and we should be praying. But sometimes it doesn't shake out. But that's okay. Because this life that's but a vapor, (laughs) we are going to be caught up to be with him. We will be with him in heaven one day. No more sorrow. No more pain. We look forward to that day. But until then, guys, we're going to keep getting together. We're going to keep getting into his word. And we're going to be looking to see the faithfulness of our God and his promises. So before we jump into this, I want to consider a little bit more about the tribulation for a second. Because I think it's pretty cool. Because there's a lot of correlations. Have you guys ever thought about the plagues here? Moses and Aaron going before Pharaoh to be witnesses of the true and living God. Do you guys know that there's two witnesses during the tribulation? Do you guys know that one of them is going to be who? Moses. What? Moses is here in Exodus and he's going to be here yet future? There in Israel? In the promised land? Wait, Moses never got into the promised land. Yeah, He got in there because of Jesus. Do you guys know that? Do you guys remember on the Mount of Transfiguration when the Lord himself went up there and he was transformed? Who was with him? Moses and Elijah, right? Wow! Moses made it in. He didn't make it in before because of striking that rock of unbelief, right? But he was able to enter in because of Jesus. And you guys know that we're able to enter into the promised land because of Jesus I think that is so cool to think about. So we have the two witnesses that are going to come and bear witness before the world. And there's an Antichrist, right? And he is misleading the people, bringing the world under his rule. Hey, if you want to be able to eat, to buy food, you're going to have to get my mark, by the way. (laughs) I'm going to have to own you. You guys see some similarities between the two? We even see water turned into blood during the tribulation, right? We see locusts, boils, frogs, hailstone. There's a lot of correlations between the two, but the coolest part, guys, and in each case, God hears the cries of the children of Israel because the tribulation is dealing with the children of Israel, correct? You guys can check out Romans chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. God's not done with Israel. There is a time yet coming, seven years, Jacob's trouble... And this is dealing primarily with the children of Israel, though we in the entire world are going to see the effects of us. I believe we, the church, don't go through that because the church is not mentioned during the tribulation. I believe in the rapture of the church, which we read about in 1 Thessalonians 4. That could be today. But there are a lot of neat correlations between the two. So, uh, something you guys can jot down, because I know we have some note-takers here this morning. Both cases, we have Israel delivered. Okay? And you guys can write down Revelation chapter 9 verse 20 and 21. There's something that was happening with the people during the tribulation. Their hearts were being hardened towards God. Now, you guys, we went through Revelation when the pandemic started. And did we not see the grace of our God in the book of Revelation even though these bowls, trumpets, judgments were coming? In all of it, it was God's heart. It was a grace given. Hey, you guys are going to go through it? Hopefully you cry out to me. Hopefully you will turn to me. But what were they doing? They hardened their heart to the Lord. Even though these hard things came, God gave them chance after chance after chance. And that's the same thing here. Do you think God loved Pharaoh? Was Pharaoh a man who hardened his heart? Yeah. Yeah. God loved them, gave them chance after chance, and that's what we're going to read about today here in Exodus chapter 7. But before we do that, let's go a, th- a few verses beforehand back in chapter 6 picking it up in verse 28. And it came to pass on that day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt. That the Lord spoke to Moses saying, "I am the Lord, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt." all that I have to say to you. But Moses said before the Lord, Behold, I'm of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh heed me? This is just one more of his excuses. You guys remember we looked at all the excuses Moses had not to do what God was asking. Aren't we good at excuses, guys? Oh, there's ministry to be done. (laughs) There's things God's asking us to do. But man, I have excuses why we can't. Guys, we need to do what God says. And we're going to see Moses step out and his brother Aaron and do what God said. And does it work initially? No. How many plagues do we have? Ten. Ten before it finally worked, before it finally uh, broke through a hard heart. So let's take a look here in chapter 7 this morning. So the Lord said to Moses, see... I have made you as God to Pharaoh. And Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you. And Aaron your brother shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel among them. Wow. So God here is promising that he's going to show himself faithful. On behalf of Moses and Aaron and the children of Israel. This is what I am going to do. And here we have the children of Israel crying out. They're waiting for this deliverance to come. And he's making Moses as God and Aaron as his prophet to Pharaoh. And guys, whether we like it or not, we, to some people, are God. We're not God but we are a representation of God. We have a calling as a royal priesthood to go and represent the Lord to this world. Aren't we called to be ambassadors? And for some, guys, people are looking to you as believers, and in, in a sense, you're God to them. That's all they know. But what do we do? We're not God. We're not Savior. All we can do is point people to God. This is what I know. This is what his word is declared. That's our job, and that's what the job here of Moses and Aaron. They're just speaking. This is what God has said. There is one God in heaven. <laughs> and Pharaoh, you're not it. <laughs> you need to humble yourself. But does Pharaoh have a humble heart before the Lord? No, we're going to see as we go through this. He's got a very proud heart. And God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. So let's take a look here. At verse 6, the Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded them. So they did. And Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron 83 years old, when they spoke to Pharaoh. And then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod, cast it before Pharaoh, and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron, they went to Pharaoh, and they did so, just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron, he cast his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called wise men and sorcerers. So the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. So now the miraculous begins. Hey, I want you to go. Take what's in your hand. And I want you to throw that (laughs) on the ground before Pharaoh. And a miracle is going to happen. All right? And we see a snake come out of this rod. And it's kind of a cool picture. Okay? Because there's sometimes, you know, we, we look at what the scriptures speak to, to snakes. They're venomous, right? Wasn't it a snake that deceived Eve there in the garden? Okay. <laughs> just like hey, I'm going to let this out. I'm going to do this miracle. And I love what happens next. Did you guys catch this? Is there before Pharaoh, okay? He he calls in his guys, the magicians, and they do what God just did as a miracle. Do you guys know that Satan can only copy? He can't do anything new. He, he's a copycat. And we're going to see as we go through this anything that the demon the demonic does here just makes things worse okay but what we see in verse uh, 12 here the second part it says but aaron's rod swallowed up their rods can you guys picture what's going on okay they're there one snake comes out here you go pharaoh here's a miracle well my guys can do the same thing come on in guys and they throw down all their rods and they all become snakes but what's the cool thing they all get eaten up by God's snake. I think that's a pretty cool picture. Wow, God's snake just got big, big and fat. <laughs> you know, don't mess with him. And it's so cool because what do we read about in the New Testament? I, I love at the end of Mark's gospel, I think it's uh, verse 15 of chapter 16. Like, as you guys go to proclaim the gospel, okay? Even if you have hardships, even if a snake, a venomous snake would bite you, what does Mark tell us? You don't have to worry. It's not going to harm you. And that's something we have when we are about God's business. Because I'd be freaking out. I don't know about you guys. I can handle one snake. Multiple snakes, I'd be freaking out. Do you think Moses and Aaron were maybe freaking out a little bit? Oh boy, we got one snake. Look at all these snakes. But when we're doing what God's asking us to do, as we're going about the kingdom business, being about making disciples and proclaiming the gospel to this lost world, we don't need to worry about the snakes. Do you guys recall at the end of Acts? And I love the book of Acts because it recounts for us what the early church was up to. In the second part of Acts is a lot about Paul's missionary journeys. And what he did. And do you guys remember there in the last chapter of Acts, chapter 28? He was there at Malta. Okay? They went. It was cold. They were shipwrecked. And they had to make a fire because they were going to be spending the night there on the island. So Paul begins to make a fire. Lights it. And what comes out of the fire? It got hot. The snake came out and latched on to his hand. And all the islanders there were tripping out like, oh boy. Oh boy. This Paul, this apostle guy, big sinner, (laughs) the gods are after him. He's going to die because he was judged by being bit by this venomous snake. And what are we told Paul did? He just shook that snake off into the fire and let it burn. Did it harm him? No. So what did the islanders choose to do after that? Whoa, he didn't die. Paul, you must be God, (laughs) right? And what did Paul end up doing? He preached. He testified. He witnessed to the true and living God. He shared the gospel with them, guys. So as we are about our mission that God has given us, we might get bit. Keep on moving, guys. Keep on moving. And I love that Aaron's snake (laughs) ate all the other ones. God's snake devoured them. And that's a mentality I think we need to live in as believers. I think of Joshua and Caleb. You guys familiar with the story? When they finally got to the promised land, Moses sent them out to go spy out the land. I want you to go spy. God's told us that's where to be. I want you guys to go and look. And he sent 10 other spies with them. And you guys remember the reports that came back there in Numbers 13. Oh, there's giants in the land, right? There's giants. But Caleb was stoked. Caleb's like, hey, pff, no, it's good. This is nothing for us. No big thing. Let's go take it. And when God's on your side, guys, it is no big thing, no matter what's against you. There may be the giants in the land. Okay? Don't allow the giants to keep you from what God's calling you to, where He's asking you to go. Because, again, what does God do? He's faithful. There, they missed out on what God had because of their unbelief, because of their fear. And that whole generation passed away. But do you guys recall Caleb being now 85? And Joshua and him were now able to enter into the promised land? Yeah, 40-some years had passed. That generation had passed on, and now they can enter into what God had asked them to do. But an 85-year-old, is anybody 85 in here? I know a few of you dudes are getting pretty old. (laughs) Wes is like, yeah. (laughs) I feel 85 some days. I feel 85 today a little bit. We went to the Churchill's Disneyland yesterday. Do you guys ever go on the Zippin' Pippin' up at Bay Beach? Yeah, my body can't do that anymore. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Anyways, just think about Caleb being 85, you know, and he goes in, and now there are giants there in the city, and he takes them all. Isn't that pretty cool to think about? Okay, and that's exactly what God does. Hey, here's a whole bunch of snakes. I'm scared. (laughs) Can't do this. And God's God's snake swallows them all up. I think that's pretty cool. You guys should underline verse 10 there. That's a good verse, huh? Let's move on to verse, uh, oh, sorry, that was verse 12. Let's move on to verse 13, and then it says, Pharaoh's heart grew hard. Now, I want you guys to catch as we go through this what's going on in the heart of Pharaoh. We write here, it grows hard. And he did not heed them as the Lord had said. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning when he goes out to the water. And there you shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. And the rod which was turned to a serpent, you shall take in your hand And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. Thus says the Lord, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood, and the fish that are in the river shall die and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. And then the Lord, verse 19, said to Moses, Say to Aaron, take your rod, stretch it out, your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams, over the rivers, over their ponds, and over the pools of water, that they may be or become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and in pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod, and he struck the waters of, uh, the waters that were in the rivers, in the sight of Pharaoh, and in the sight of his servants. And the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. The fish that were in the river died, and the river stank. And the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river, so there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Wow. So can you guys picture in your mind what's going on here? Okay, man, I'm thirsty. I really am thirsty. (laughs) I'm glad I have water to drink. Can you guys imagine what the Egyptians were going through? Every water source turned into blood. You can't drink blood. They were thirsty for water. And water is very refreshing when you're thirsty. Did you guys catch what happens verse 22 we're told the magicians of egypt did so with their enchantments and pharaoh's heart grew hard so they came and did the exact same thing again okay this is a bad deal going on this plague you're going to turn all our drinking water <laughs> into blood things can't grow when they're bloody the fish are dying Have you guys ever taking a nice walk along the river, and you come up to the shore, and there's a dead fish there. Isn't that the worst smell ever? Think about all the fish there in the Nile. Dead. Okay, when it says it stank, guess what? It really stank. It would be foul. And isn't it kind of crazy when you think about, you know, (laughs) smell? Okay, I think that's the strongest sense we have. I don't know about you guys, but I can remember back as a young child I recall things I smell like there are certain things that we did growing up and it's a smell I remember more than the memory of you know seeing who was there or what was going on it's it's these smells and I think about these guys okay the smell of blood the fish that stink that had to be horrible for them okay in that way so here guys We have the magicians coming once again and all they are doing here is multiplying their difficulty, right? It's like we're already out of water (laughs) and a little bit of water that's left, you're also going to turn that into blood? How does that help anything? Things are just getting worse here and that's really how Satan works. That's, yeah. Anyways, let's read through the end of the chapter here. It says, Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments and Pharaoh's heart grew hard And he did not heed them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and he went into the house. Neither was his heart moved by this. So all the Egyptians dug all around the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the river. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. So I want to pause for a moment and just consider here, okay? It tells us in verse 23, neither was Pharaoh's heart here moved by this. Guys, there's a lot of things in this life that are hard. A lot of things that we can go through as a people. And our hearts are never challenged by it. You know, think about this shooting of children in Texas this last week. Man, that hurts the heart, doesn't it? It moves the heart. That should never happen. Okay, our kids should be able to go and get an education without having to worry about being shot. But we live in an evil world. There are wars going on. There's rumors of more wars about to start. We live in a fallen world that's just really messed up. And we reap what we sow, whether we like it or not. And when we are a people who turn our back on God and what he declares in his ways, things are going to get messy. Things are going to stink, okay? We're going to be thirsty, but we're going to have nothing to meet that thirst. Jesus came to give us life, didn't he? And life abundantly. All you who thirst, come to me, to the living waters, Jesus says. And out of you, if you come to me and you partake of me, these living waters that I have for you, out of your heart will come torrents of living water. And brother and sister, that's what this world needs today. They need us partaking of Jesus, that out of us there would be torrents of living water. Because the world's looking around for hope, they're looking for answers, they're thirsty. We even have the secular world actually contemplating maybe we should throw religion back into the mix. Maybe we need to put religion back into our educational system because things are really going wrong, really bad, and we don't know how to fix it. We've been trying our stuff in our ways. They're having those conversations right now. And it's sad, guys, because, oh, just throw a little religion to fix the problem. No, it's Jesus, (laughs) you know. It's going to be the truth of who he is. Because when we have the truth, when we have his word, people are going to be set free. Their thirst is going to be met. But I don't foresee that. It's great they're having conversations, but I don't foresee that happening. It's going to be us going and sharing, guys, bringing the word of God to this thirsty world and I want to consider with you guys for a second, um, we have the, the blood here, okay? Um, this is a plague. This is by no means good at all. Um, This is the first miracle that Moses does, right? We see here in the first plague, water into blood. I try when I bring the word of God, you guys, to bring Jesus into, into wherever we're at because we're told in Hebrews that the volume of this book is about Jesus. And it's hard because we look at these people who are in bondage crying out to God. Judgment's coming. A plague is coming because of a proud leader and a proud people. And even God's people, wanting to be delivered, still have to go through this too. Their water also was messed up. Do you guys remember what the first miracle Jesus did was? He turned water into something, right? into wine. Wow. Would you guys say that's quite a contrast? Absolutely. And think about that, guys. We have Moses. And for the Jewish people, Moses is who? The great lawgiver. He's the one who went up to Mount Sinai and met with God. He's the one who brought the law to God's people. And do you guys remember what happened that day when he was coming down from the mountain with These tablets of stone where the finger of God itself had (laughs) written down 10 laws for his people. Children of Israel, finally delivered from Egypt, are worshipping another god, perversely. And Moses takes those tablets and breaks them. The law came. And what happened as a result of that? 3,000 died that day. 3,000. Next Sunday, the church, we celebrate Pentecost. Do you guys remember what happened on Pentecost when the Spirit of God came? 3,000 were saved that day. Do you guys understand? Without Jesus, all you're going to be left with are plagues, curses, because we're all under the law, and all of us are cursed. We all deserve death. But Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. Wine in the scripture speaks of the spirit. He turned water into wine. He desires to give life. Satan desires to bring death. And I want to encourage you and I, okay? Let's be new wineskins that are able to receive of the spirit of God the new wine, what God is doing. Partaking of him, looking to him. Because so many today, even within the church, choose to look to Moses instead. I'm going to find fulfillment. I'm going to fulfill my thirst by doing all this stuff. Keeping the law, being a good Christian. Legalism keeps you just more thirsty. Because you can't ever do enough. You see where you fall short, and it brings discouragement, sense of defeat, a sense of, I can't do it. That's the beauty of our Savior, because Jesus did do it, didn't you guys? He came to give us life and life abundantly. We are saved by grace through faith. Do you guys know that the grace of God is a pretty wonderful thing? That's what he has for us. Jesus is our hope. We need to drink deeply of him. Look to him. Trust in him. I've asked myself several times how different this story in Exodus with the plagues would have looked. If at any point... Pharaoh would have humbled himself. All right, Lord, I'm going to listen to you. I want to keep this for myself. <laughs> I want to be in power. I want to be calling the shots. What if Pharaoh would have humbled himself? Do you think this story would have looked pretty radically different? I wonder if God would have blessed Pharaoh for it, would have honored him. I think you would have. Because I've read somewhere, God gives grace to who? The humble. humble. Wow. What if he would have humbled himself? How differently that would have looked. Guys, I want to encourage you. Partake of Jesus. Drink deeply of him. Because it really is a stinky life without him. It's just going to stink. But there is life new wine. You saved the best for last, Jesus? Really? <laughs> yeah. That's how he rolls. And we can partake of that, live in that grace, live in him, partake of him. Let's move on. Chapter 8. This will be the second plague. We read here in verse 1, And the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Okay? And that's a cool thing, right? Let my people go. Be set free. One of my prayers that I've had for you guys, my brothers and sisters, for Freedom Fellowship over the last almost 15 years now Is that we would be the freest people on the planet just to do what God wants us to do. That nothing would hold us back. That we would be completely free in Him. You guys know it's for freedom's sake that Jesus came? And that's His heart. Let my people go. Why? So they can serve me. You know? It's one of those things. Things in this life can weigh us down. We can be shackled by the things of this life, part of the curse. Let us be free to serve him, to be about his business. Pray that. Enter into that. But we're told here in verse 2, if you refuse to let my people go, behold, I will smite all the territory with frogs. How many of you guys like frogs? Yeah, they're all right. So, <laughs> the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house. Go into your bedroom... "...on your bed, and into your houses of your servants, and your people into your ovens, and your kneading bowls, and the frogs shall come up on you, on your people, and on your servants." And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "...say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause the frogs to come up on the land of Egypt." And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians here again, guys, did so with their enchantments, and they brought up frogs on the land. So let's pause for a second here. Um, Frogs are fascinating. I did a deep dive into the study of frogs this week, specifically in the scriptures. And I have a really cool message to share at some point. We don't have time this morning but there are so many correlations. I was in Revelation 16, verse 16, where the dragon, Satan, frogs, three frogs, demonic frogs, come out of its mouth. And I'm just like, what is up with the representation of frogs in the scriptures? Okay, why frogs here? Because all I knew of frogs is they were fun to catch as a kid. How many guys enjoy doing that? I love going camping with my kids, man. They grab the buckets, and they're running the shores trying to grab as many frogs as they can get, and they bring a huge bucket. Hey, that's fun. Now you got to let them go. (laughs) Um, But for for the Egyptians, let's consider for a second what frogs would mean to them. Okay, They live there along the Nile. Frogs are really good at what? Eating bugs. That's my favorite thing about frogs, right? Unless you guys like bugs. I don't care for bugs. Eat up all our bugs, please. Okay, that's what frogs are good for. But I did a little digging. Well, let me share this real quick. Oh, no, I'll come back to that. For the Egyptians, guys, do you guys know they worshipped a lot of different deities, a lot of different gods? And we're starting to see that come out today, even, you know, in our movies and cultures. There's a lot of ancient Egypt, you know, uh, myths, mythology that is starting to come forth, Okay. Um, I mentioned to you guys a few weeks back, they worshiped crocodiles, that was a big thing. But at this time, the Egyptians actually had a god that had the face of a frog. Okay, you guys can go and it's the goddess called Hect, H-E-Q-T. Okay, and it was a goddess of fertility. So you guys kind of think about here, okay, we know that our rabbits really like to have more rabbits, right? They breed like crazy. So you look at frogs, you guys know that they can 500 eggs at a time? It's kind of crazy how many babies they can have. So they looked at the frog as fertility, okay? So they looked at the frog as a blessing, and I dove a little bit into Nero. I don't know if I want to share this or not. Um, Nero wanted to go, I'll share this real quick. Just throughout Egyptian history, Roman history, They were into frogs big time, okay? Um, Nero wanted to experience the pain his mom gave in childbirth. Have any of you guys ever heard this before? So they put a frog and had it go into his stomach, and it, it grew, whatever, and supposedly it came back out deformed, but this frog they had kept and was to be the heir for Caesar, like really messed up thing around this frog. I'm just like, are, are you serious? But looking into it, again, they looked at it as a deity. It, it's pretty messed up stuff. Anyways, I won't share the whole story around that. But when it comes to these frogs, guys, think about this for the, the uh, people of Egypt. Frogs are a blessing to us, okay? They're, we look at it, okay? Fertility, goddess, they take care of our bugs. Now this plague happens, and they are abundantly coming out. Have you guys ever seen so many frogs that it would just cover the road completely? Have you guys ever seen that happen? Okay, I remember when I was taking my driver's ed course many, many years ago now. The only thing I remember from all the teaching of how to drive was the story about the frogs on the curves. Okay, if you're driving, you got to be careful because there might be a, you an know, abundance of frogs that hit the road and you're going to skid out. And I'm just like, seriously? So when I first started driving, I'm all scared because, hey, when are these frogs? Is this ever going to happen? Well, years went on. It never happened, never happened. But in recent years, there's been a few times when we've been up north just after a rain starting to get dark. Tons, thousands and thousands of frogs coming out. <laughs> And I'm going like five miles an hour, like scared of what my DE teacher told me about you're going to slip and have a bad accident and die, you know, (laughs) and stuff. But I think here for the children of Israel, man, it's just not on the road after a rain. I mean, they're in my house. They're in my bed. They're in our food bowls. This is gross. This is overwhelming. Can you guys picture how nasty this would be? We got the stink of these dead fish, the blood from the river, now we have these frogs that were once a blessing to us. They're now a burden. That's it. These frogs that we used to honor, they're now horrible. And we look at the reality of these frogs for the Egyptians, guys. Okay? What they once promised, guys, for them, what they believed in these frogs as a god, they're now a big problem. How often do we do the same, guys? Things we look at as blessings. That's what's going to help us. Those are good. That can save us. That will bless us. Really isn't, guys. I look at that in the world. When we fall into idolatry, it ends up just ripping us off. Ends up being a burden. I see how people worship things. The new house, the new cars. Not that those things are bad, but I've seen how things become burdens for people. We need to be careful of that. Let's look at verse 8. It says, And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go, that they may sacrifice to the Lord. So this is kind of cool. Pharaoh's like, Hey! can't stand the frogs (laughs) they were a blessing now they're a burden get them out of here i will let the people go do you think pharaoh's going to be true to his word here oh let's see what happens somebody was reading ahead (laughs) and moses said to pharaoh accept the honor of seeing when i shall in or intercede for you and your servants and your people to destroy the frogs from your house that they may remain in the river. So he said, tomorrow. And he said, let it be done according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord your God and that the frogs shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, and from your people. They shall remain in the river only. And then Moses and Aaron, they went out from Pharaoh. And Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out, or yeah, died out of the houses, in the country yards, and out of the fields. And they gathered them together in heaps. Well, what happens with the heaps? The land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, He hardens his heart, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. Did you guys see this here? He hardened his heart. Has God hardened Pharaoh's heart at all yet? We're only a couple plagues in. I want you guys to catch as we go through all the plagues. Five times we read of Pharaoh hardening his heart first. Because he hardens his heart ten times. Well, God hardens his heart the last five times. Have you guys ever had anybody come up to you and ask the question, Hey, Christian, why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? That's not really fair. Pharaoh had no choice. No, Pharaoh had a choice. And I would submit to you guys, God, being a God of love, being a God who is willing to lay down his life on the cross, For all whoever would believe on him, that they wouldn't have to perish. Because hell's very real, guys. And he's done everything to save us from hell. God desires none to perish. But again, God being a God of love, love demands a choice. He's not going to force any of us to be with him, right? That's rape. It's not going to force that upon anybody. But I would submit to you guys, if he didn't go along with what Pharaoh was choosing, that would be a form of rape also, wouldn't it? Pharaoh, you've hardened your heart. You've chosen to have a hard heart. You've chosen again and again and again. If you want a hard heart, Pharaoh, here it is. I'll let you have your hard heart. And I would submit to you guys, be careful. If you are in a season of hardening your heart, God will let you do that. He's not going to force you. But be careful because there might come a time when he says, fine, that's what you want, that's what you can have. And that's hard. And we see people, we know people, we're praying for some where, man, they keep hardening their heart over and over again. Are they too far gone? They might be. Is the grace of God bigger than their hard heart? Absolutely. Could he break a hard heart at any point, no matter how hard? He can. But when it comes to salvation, guys, there's a working together. And there are seasons, and I've encouraged people. Have you guys had an opportunity to minister to somebody when they're in that seeking stage of the Lord. You know, they start asking the questions or picking up the Bible and reading for the first time. And you're praying for them like crazy that they end up bowing the knee and getting saved in their faith in Jesus. But then the excuses start coming. They had been coming around church for a while, but now they have this priority and that instead. And your heart sinks Because you see their heart is starting to get hard. But you know what? God's grace can come back around and find them again and again. But I want to encourage you guys as my peeps, as brothers and sisters. Man, if you're fighting with the Lord on something and you got a hard heart right now, repent. Repent. Humble yourself before God. Listen to him. Okay? He knows best. Because sometimes we don't like what he has. Sometimes we don't like his ways, but he's always right. And ultimately, he's worthy because we're not our own, are we? We've been bought at a price. So what he has, and that's one thing I'm catching as we read through this, is I don't want to be like Pharaoh. Because I have a tendency sometimes like, well, that really sucked. I just want to close up my heart altogether. <laughs> I just don't even want to deal with that anymore. I'm done. That's not of God. That's not his ways. So keep a heart soft. Well, what if my heart gets hurt? Well, guess what? I know a God who's greater than your heart. <laughs> okay? He can heal a heart. He's there to lean on. He's there with you. So um, something else I want to camp on, which <laughs> we're only getting through two plagues this morning, guys, because uh, I, want, I want to hit on verse 10 with you for a couple minutes, um, and then we'll wrap up. Let's go back to verse 10. Did you guys see that Moses went before Pharaoh and said, hey, frog problem, we can bring that to an end and ask him when he wants it to happen. In verse 10, so Pharaoh says to him, what? Tomorrow. I want you guys to think on this with me for a second. If you had a frog problem like this, okay, they're in your bed, like camping, okay? You guys ever been camping and the frogs just will not quit? Like, hey, guys, I like a little white noise, but you're ridiculous, okay? (laughs) I can't fall asleep. You need to stop it, okay? Don't you think you would say, yeah, immediately, right now, let's get it done. But what does Pharaoh say? Tomorrow! What is up with you, Pharaoh? What is wrong with you? Seriously, just one more night with the frogs? Yeah, yeah. Just one more, one more time, one more day. This is my last time, my last drink, my last smoke. Last time I'm going to look at porn. This is it. Tomorrow I'll start. Do you guys see how dangerous that type of thinking is? Okay, so let's not learn from Pharaoh. Today, Hebrews 4.19. Today, if you do not harden your heart, and you hear my voice. Today is what God says. Oh, sin's fun for a season. Hebrews chapter 11. But its end is what? Destruction. Heed the word of God. I see so many people today that it's always a, a tomorrow. I, I'll get serious about the things of the Lord tomorrow. I'll take care of that problem tomorrow I'll, I'll allow this till tomorrow I'll, I'll allow dating this non-believer until he gets saved because he's coming to church with me I had a brother share a story with me this week he bumped into an old friend at school he was totally stoked like whoa you're a Christian you're at church this oh no I'm just here because of my girlfriend oh that hurts There's no guarantee they're ever going to come to faith. I know I have an addiction. I know I should get help. Do something about that. Think about the 30 million alcoholics that we have here in the United States. Do you guys... Have you ever met an alcoholic that, you know, they told you their life story? Like, hey! Hey! I set out to be an alcoholic in life. That was my goal. (laughs) That's what I wanted to do. No. None of us do. Okay? But it's one of those things, guys, if we don't take care of what's needing to be taken care of today, we're going to slip. And do not deceive yourselves. Galatians chapter 6 might be verse 14. What a man sows, he will reap. There are consequences to our sin, guys. And that's why God asks us to take care of it today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't be like Pharaoh in this situation. One more night with these frogs. Four things I want us to camp on as we close here in regards to this. I think it's good for you and I to remember. We need to remember. Because, oh yeah, sin is fun for a season, but it ends destruction. Have you guys experienced that in life? Yeah, sin was fun. But I got a whole lot of regrets from that sin. That didn't produce anything good. We can remember the effects of sin. We need to remember what our God has said. What he has done. It is good to remember. Because if we're not remembering correctly, we're going to say tomorrow, won't we? be okay no remember when (laughs) remember how that shook out remember how that worked it's good to remember second thing I want us to do is to repent is repenting an easy thing to do no are we called to do it yep how long does it take man I gotta get into a program I'm going to have to go, not just once a week. I might have to go every night because this addiction's pretty bad. I'm in a bad spot to work out this repentance thing, to finally turn from this. You guys know repentance can be that quick. What repentance is, is changing your mind. <laughs> I'm wrong. God, you're right. I'm repenting. I'm turn, uh, you turn. Literally, I'm turning around. I'm turning to you. I'm turning from myself, turning from that sin, turning from whatever, and I'm turning to you. And that's the beauty, and that's what brings us to the next point here, is we need to reckon. When I say the word reckon, what chapter comes to mind in the Bible? Romans Romans chapter 6. Amen, sister. Romans 6, right? Reckon yourselves dead to sin. Think about that. I know so many people who live in the reality know... I'm an addict. It's hard to repent. No, you haven't done the, ma- the math. You've professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, brother, sister. You are a new creation in him. You're told in the word of God to be dead to sin. To reckon yourselves dead, do the math. Why should you live any longer in it? Do you guys know that as Christians, we're free from sin. We don't have to sin any longer. No more. Well, with Ozzy earlier this week. He just started Daniel, and we talked about Daniel just being this upright dude. Why was Daniel an upright dude? Because he purposed in his heart not to defile himself. This is who I am as a child of God. My God says this, and this is what I'm going to do, even though I am a slave. I'm in bondage here in Babylon. I am going to do what is right, what God says. Purpose in our hearts to do that, guys. Because let me tell you what, there won't be a whole lot of repenting that's needed when you've already purposed in your heart to do what's right. Oh, but this is a social function. (laughs) It'd just be so much easier if I just had a drink. I'm okay with that. If you've purposed in your heart and you've already drawn the lines of where you're going to go and not go, then you don't have to worry about it. You guys understand the decision's already made. You know, God's asked me to wait until I'm married. I'm going to do that. His ways are right. And I'm going to honor him. So we need to reckon. And that brings us to the last point I want to make in closing here. We need to refuse. Okay. No more frogs allowed to croak. They're annoying, aren't they? just needs to stop we need to refuse and i believe when we do these things guys we're able to walk in ways that honor god and again it's not a works based look at what i've done no we look at what jesus has done and because of what jesus has done hey i'm willing to do these things i want to honor you god i want to do things your way even though the situation's really hard even though there may be giants in the land, I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to honor you. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to have a tomorrow mentality. Today, if you don't harden your heart, hearts, but you hear his voice. So we only got through two plagues. We'll finish the next, the rest next week, Lord willing. But I hope God has encouraged you today, has ministered to your hearts, that our hearts are open to receive from him. Because let me tell you what, there are times I pick up his word, why aren't you speaking, God? So there's hardness of heart for whatever reason, whatever's going on, and I know that's not good. I want a heart that's open to the Lord. Guys, our time's short. I don't know what the Lord's calling you to individually in our faith. We all have different callings. But we as a body, corporately, we're called together to be taught the word of God, to be stirred up in ways that we go and do good works. And when I read of the children of Israel, Being in bondage, that makes me want to cry out to God. I live in a land among a people that are in bondage today, they can't even see it. Does that make you want to cry out for your neighbor? I see the wars going on in the world. Does that make you want to cry out for God to deliver? There's some things, there's a lot of evil in the world. the hardness of my heart, I'm just like, God, just take him out. (laughs) Just end that guy. But when my heart's soft, it's like, Jesus, you love that guy. You died for him too. We need to be praying, guys. The time is short. Can we be praying for an unbelieving world? Absolutely. I read an article yesterday. Is it okay for us Christians to pray for unbelievers? I think that's the stupidest question of all time. Absolutely. We need to be praying for our neighbors, guys. God has asked us to engage. And I think it starts with prayer to have that soft heart. Would you guys agree with me? Does God, does prayer change things? Yeah, a lot of times we think it's gonna change God. It changes us. It changes our heart. Have you been praying for your enemy? If you're really praying for your enemy, your heart's gonna get soft towards them and you start caring about them. You're not just gonna get bitter and wanna put up you know, walls. God softens our hearts in prayer. So Father, I would ask of you for my brothers and sisters, for myself, just as the disciples asked of you, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, teach us to pray. I would ask of you this morning, Father, teach us to pray in a way that our heart is being changed constantly to be more like you. That we would care the way that you care. That we would see people the way that you see them. That we would learn to love the way you love. Thank you so much, Jesus, for all that you've done. We thank you, Lord. As we consider plagues like this or what will happen someday during the tribulation, the scriptures declare that you became a curse for us. Everyone who hangs on a tree is cursed. And you hung on that tree on Calvary there for us because you loved us. You became a curse for us that we may have life. We are so thankful, Jesus. Thank you for being our Savior. Help us, Lord, to share you well with this world. They're looking for hope. And we have hope to share. I thank you that we are a remnant of hope. Let our light shine for you, Jesus. Let us be salty wherever we go. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. God, I pray that you would please go before them. I know some of them are facing giants right now in life. God, they stand strong in you. We know we have victory. The victory is won. Let us fight from that place. Let us war well. Help them to enter your rest, God, and to fight from that place. God, we are thankful this morning that we can gather together to worship you freely. We think of those who've given of themselves that we can enjoy these freedoms. We think of family that still experience the reality of loss because many men and women gave of themselves, their lives. We just pray that this Memorial Day weekend would be one, Father, just um, your spirit at work, God, that you'd be meeting with people, comforting people, Lord. We are thankful for the freedoms we have and we don't want to miss out on, on using them for your glory. God, we can preach openly. (laughs) Let us do that well. Uh, Thank you so much for the ultimate freedom that we have in you. Thank you for what you did that we can enjoy life. God, help us to use our freedoms wisely for your glory. Amen? Amen? Amen.